Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. <laughs> I did it. Janelle warned me and I still did it. You gave me all the warning in the world. You're like, yo, bro, you know you're oh muted, right? And I'm like, yeah, I know I'm muted. What, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm not a running a thing this morning. I had to say, I'm not thing, a pro. Yeah. I'm not a pro. I know what I'm doing. And of uh, course, I sit here like an idiot and I'm just sitting here making an introduction to no one. Thank you, Janelle, for covering. <laughs> Your me. intros are the best. Like, thank no you one for doing yeah. yeah. Thank so. you for trying to cover for me and for trying to tell me and do everything humanly possible. I got to your back, man. Not screw this up. And We're I still screwed it up. <laughs> All right. So, welcome back to season three of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Screw Up Outlaw. And with me today, I have Janelle Wheeler. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and Matthew Aguilar is here. What up? And people, we got some exciting things to talk about today, guys. We got a good, a hot new movie that I think we've all been sitting on, sitting on for weeks. Excuse me. Oh, my God. I am like doing the greatest host <laughs> I've ever done this week. I'm just like burping, this be the episode. Yeah, I mean, this uh, is just great. We all need to mess up now. Uh, so anyway, we have a new movie we've all been sitting on and excited to see. Ryan Reynolds, free guy. DC's Titans is back. So we yeah. got to get into that. And this is for Janelle. We finally gotten Janelle up to speed on Titans. So that's going to be really exciting uh, to kind of hear her take because this is her first experience with the show. Me and Matt have been doing this since this podcast started pretty much. Yeah. Um, and we also got to talk about Marvel's What If and some other things. So, yeah, we got a lot of stuff to do. And I, I know everybody's excited today. Yeah. So uh, let's just get to it. All right, starting right up top. What did I put first? Because I can't. What if? Open what if? It was what if episode one. Yeah, and you have a open. lot of there hypotheses here. Yeah, I, I, love, I always love Kofi's uh, rundowns because I can hear him saying the ideas. Well, well, this <laughs> yeah, here we go. I was locked out of my own show notes, but now, now we're back. I love it. Started at the bottom. Now we're here. All right. Yes. So Marvel's What If is out. It came out Wednesday. Um, if you guys aren't listening, uh, Phase Zero with Brandon Davis, Aaron Perrine, uh, Jenna Anderson, Jimmy Jirak and them, they do great jobs doing immediate recaps for What If, and I invite you guys to listen to all of that in our uh comic book podcast universe but uh we're here today kind of talking people have seen what if now they've kind of gotten a chance to sit with the first episode so we're just going to talk about a couple things with marvel's what if we'll just do real quick re just kind of reactions i think we did some last or did we do some last week Uh, or was it just me okay it was just me i'm not going to talk again you guys heard what i said uh and i kept it to the first episode saying i liked I know this episode is kind of like watching the first Avenger all over again with some minor tweaks, but I kind of appreciated the detail of that and, and kind of seeing, cause I love that movie. Uh, I weighed in on the phase zero podcast and commented that I think this series in a lot of ways really does depend on how you look at the material that they're what ifing. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't like first Avenger, this episode's not going to make you like it anymore. Uh, you're still going to have the same problems. It's still the same 
thing, right? Um, but if you like the thing they're what ifing, like if you like Black Panther or Guardians and all that stuff, and they capture that vibe in a different with using different ways of things, I think you'll be all right. Um, I like First Avenger a lot, so this was a, a cool episode for me, and I liked all the little details to what they tweaked and changed and how that rearranged things and seeing the cause and effect of it all. Uh, that's me. Matt, what did you think? Uh, well, number one, I just want to say I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on on that premise. Like, I feel like and that's also I feel we, we, we've we talked about anthologies on here, right? How they're kind of hit and miss because it really is subjective. It's completely subjective as to your personal taste and whether you're going to really dig it or not. And some stories stand above. But like overall, it's really going to be kind of up to your personal standards and so like for regular what if comics was always the same like the the random one that was like oh what if bishop died instead of shard well if you don't care about bishop and shard you're not gonna like that issue like you're gonna be like this is trash but like if you care about those then yeah so i mean i agree i think when we're when we're getting into these they are very much honoring all the beats i i am like you i adore the first avenger like it's one of my favorite marvel movies still so I was totally fine with that. I was like, give me Captain Carter all day. I want a series now. <laughs> I want a series now with this character. I love that character. Uh, I love Hydra Stopper. Like All the stuff they did was it still kept the spirit of the first Avenger and twisted it. And I thought the action looked really good. Um, so, I mean, I was I was in for the most part. But I get it that people who don't just like love that movie are probably going to be bored in some as- aspects because it's like, oh, I've. I've seen this. We're we're redoing some of those beats. I get that. Also, my only my only qualm was like I love the animation style overall. It looked amazing in the action sequences. I feel like we need to get. It's like when you see games that don't quite get the lip syncing right, mm. like the the mm-hmm. word to it. It just always felt off. It always felt like my audio oh, was wow. stuttering. Yeah, standard dialogue. Scenes I gotta are a watch rough. that back. I right, didn't notice that. It was that. just like they, especially. It was fine when they're moving. Because you don't, you're you're paying attention to other things, right? But like when they were focused on the faces and they're having a conversation, every so often it'd be like, I need I- a bigger TV, man. I couldn't <laughs> see it. I'm, I'm serious. Like COVID and lockdown made me realize my, I do not have a big enough TV. Like that's the one thing I'm gonna get coming up because if we're gonna have to keep watching stuff at home. And I need to catch these things like bad <laughs> mouthing. It was, just, it was just noticeable. It was just like, oh, that sticks out to me. Yeah, overall, I didn't even I realize that. But I'm going to watch it back uh, again. I loved it personally. I know that you just said like, you know, if you weren't, if you didn't really care about certain characters, you're not really going to care about certain episodes. But I too, just to their defense, like I don't think they're using any you know, not mainstream characters, like every character I feel like they're doing, right. they're centering on is like, yeah, pretty mainstream. I feel like the majority of us are like, oh, that's cool. Like, I just, I just want right. to see more of my favorite heroes. Thankfully, like, I think if they used, if they chose people that maybe we don't know, like only comic book readers would get, um, you know, but I feel like they've built a, a good enough base with the movies and so on that we're just like, oh my gosh, it's Peggy. Like, I didn't really have a lot of expectations for this. And then I was blown away. And I love that because we talked about the Suicide Squad, the James Gunn, and I had these huge expectations because I heard what everybody was saying 
and all the pre-screeners. And then I went in. I was like, oh, yeah, it was cool. It was good. I liked it. But it wasn't <laughs> like, oh, my God, because yeah. it's I just didn't. I loved not really having expectations because I was really blown away by it. I love the animation. It felt like I was watching a live comic book, mm-hmm. like a comic book that came to life, which was really neat. And um, and, you know, I, I don't know if it's just because of like the woman perspective, but I was moved emotionally by her struggle to become um are we spoiling by the way yeah we are okay her her ability like the struggle to prove herself in this role as a super soldier because she is a woman and especially during that time i think they really defined it well and showed kind of the struggle with women obviously it's always going to be there's always going to be like a certain thing that's going on with certain men don't think that women can step into these, you know, stereotypical male roles and they acknowledged it really well. And it wasn't cringy and it wasn't over the top. Like it wasn't like, Oh my Ooh, God. Hard this is- disagree. Hard disagree. Really? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, having, I, I really appreciated the agent Carter series. Cause they, I feel like they handled that a lot better. Um, kind of nailing kind of the sexism of the time and all that stuff. This one was literally like poor Bradley Whitford going out there just dropping like the most arch sexist comments like girls don't belong on a battlefield. But they had to do it in such a short amount of time. One episode. I I agree. It sounded like kids in a schoolyard, right? Like, no, I agree about the time. Yeah, because I knew they had to establish it. I get it. It's like you don't have a season to really get into the nitty gritty of those, you know? I mean, it was just like, I mean, it was hard. It was just a little over the top for me, but I will say Bradley Whitford though. If you're gonna have someone deliver those like just <laughs> jerk lines, lines yeah. Brad yeah. Whitford is a great schmarmy jerk. Like he plays that so well in other movies. So like the yeah. fact that you're gonna get him to like if they were gonna have somebody do like, look, we need you to establish that you are a complete like dill right off the bat. Bradley Whitford, like that's my guy. <laughs> like yeah. All right, let's get a little deeper into spoilers. First of all, I just want to clear up a couple things about the ending of this episode. Uh, no, that's not Shuma Gorath that is attacking Captain Carter. Um, there was a rumor going around that this tentacle oh. monster. Uh, but they, the makers of the show, answered to that. Brandon Davis shared it. It is. Uh, it's. It's actually another Easter egg. It's that beast. It's another. It's from the race of those monsters that were in the. Uh, uh, beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh, darn it. I really had my hopes up for like a tie-in to the strange stuff. No. There ah. is a theory, though, that Captain Carter, that it, what we saw at the end of the episode, her going from point A to point B, isn't that simple. And that when she went through that portal, she went somewhere else, and then eventually she ends up in present day. Yeah. Um, Which would make sense, because a lot of time passed back where we were. All right, yeah. So... We also have some big questions. If you're not paying attention behind the scenes, uh, there have been some leaks before. What if that kind of have already spoiled the arc of this show being something bigger and being something kind of collective and serialized and not just standalones, that this is all going somewhere. Right. And that we're going to get this team together called, you know, the guardians of the multiverse. Right. Uh, Which suggests one big development that this again a little heavy-handed in the foreshadowing already with uh, poor, with Jeffrey Wright's up there saying I am the Watcher and I will never 
ever interfere. Yeah. And it's like, no heavy handed, bro. I think you're going to interfere mostly because I read comics and I know you're going to interfere. But I, was gonna say, though, I but will not seen, kill not. I will not wait. Comic. That's sound like does. Dr. Seuss. Yeah. yeah. He does sound like Dr. Seuss yeah. all the time. That's what he says. No, I know. But like <laughs> in a show and it takes a live actor's delivery, right? It's not a comic where you get to interpret the words and it just sounds so heavy and arch. Like I will not interfere. <laughs> This will be significant <laughs> later. Um, but, if you uh, need a fill in, Kofi is your man. Yeah, I'll do for this all voice. your <laughs> ominous galaxy. Uh, but uh, yeah, so they're going to see these characters come together, these variations we've seen. And when we've seen them all on the poster, right? Like Killmonger conquers, becomes king of Wakanda. Star-Lord is actually T'Challa. You know, Gamora becomes the mad titan. Spider-Man's wearing some Doctor Strange cloak. And we're going to most likely see all these people team up to fight a threat and my theory is it's going to be uh infinity stone ultron is the threat we're going to be fighting i do not know that for sure but there's a lot of clues that uh we'll fight what's that oh, what are you laughing at no i just can't stand i'm so over the infinity stone <laughs> so, <laughs> they may not be gone man oh, we may not gosh. be done with them oh, but um oh, yeah and so this is all going to go somewhere and uh possibly set up the watcher becoming a more active member in the Marvel multiverse, which would be cool. I can't Mm -hmm. wait to see like a big headed CGI Jeffrey Wright, you know, (laughs) yeah, just uh, hanging out in the movies. So I'm kind of like invested and, and I know Marvel likes to keep it secret, but I think a little more tease of that. This is going to a larger story would have, would maybe get people more invested in the, in the collective whole of it rather than just the parts of it. So kind of curious to see what goes on with what if, but I don't want to get too bogged down with this. Let's talk about that moon Knight costume that people were mentioning. Oh in the comments. my gosh. So, um, let's see. Breaking news. Well, it's, it's been, there's been these leaks around the internet in the last day or so. Uh, we're not going to comment on anything (laughs) like we may or may not know behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, they're out there. If you want to take a look, I'm not going to point you because it's not my job to get Marvel mad. Our producer but, uh, says that that they that he's saying that he has a picture, but I don't know if we're allowed to show that. No, 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 Rich, do not put that up here. We will maybe get sued. We are not getting sued. I am not making Marvel, CBS, and or Jim mad. So yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, but it's out there if you guys want to see it. Uh, just getting your kind of just quick reactions before we get sued. What do you guys think of this thing you may or may not have seen? Mortal Kombat. Oh wow! Oh, Janelle's <laughs> going with a Mortal Kombat reference. It's Ooh. awesome. I love it. If that's it, I'm I'm so in. I love it. it. Looks so creepy and eerie and powerful. Okay, Matt, what did you like think? That. Um. Okay, so we really are gonna we're gonna give her the okay. So I I I dig it. I dig it. I'm always like a little like a lot of times. I'm always a little apprehensive <laughs> about like early costume things and sometimes they don't sometimes they get refined and things like that but i dig if this is it i dig it i like it i'm good with it it's very it's almost like a a mummy looking kind of jim thing. viscardi <laughs> if you guys know jim viscardi says he loves it if you know he's our resident oh if he approves fanatic. then yeah we're good yeah the, and but he used it in a very expletive laden way that i makes me glad he's not on the show right now <laughs> <laughs> But uh, he said he loved it. Oh, here he is in the comments yeah, and on so Twitch beautiful. comments. Yeah, it's so it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. 
Um, it is it's pretty intense. They're going full supernatural look with this, which yeah. is like real curious. And we know we got it. I hope we also have like a Mr. Knight version of this. I'm still pulling for Mr. Knight to show up in some kind of form or fashion. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're going real supernatural with this. And it's pretty this looks like Moon Knight could be a pretty freaky guy if he comes just kind of barreling into your villain's lair in the middle of the night. So, uh, oh, yeah. So uh, liking it so far, liking it so far. I still Marvel Studios, great quality. We're not getting none of that Netflix or Hulu Crow stuff. is also a big fan. Uh, I'm a very big Moon Knight fan. I'm also down for this. So it looks like it's getting the approval. What happens here? What happens if this isn't it and it's not as good as this? <laughs> I would suck. I would be like, bro, I'm going to snatch somebody up and be like, you better go get that cosplay. Yeah. That Marvel money. Um <laughs> Yeah. So talking about this just as a related topic now that we're just kind of freestyling a little bit. Uh, Disney Plus Day is coming up in November and they kind of tease there's some big stuff we're going to see on Disney Plus Day. I feel like Jim knows more stuff than he's letting on. But, you know, that man's a vault of secrets. But uh, <sighs> now that we know this photo's out here and it seems to be like more and more like it's real for Moon Knight. Do you think by Disney Plus Day in November, we're getting full trailer for Moon Knight, release day, more than that? What do you think? Oh, I think we I don't think we get trailer yet. I If they do, it would be like the lightest of teases. But like, I don't know if we get that. However, I do think we will get a release date. All right. All right. Which is tentative because everything changes. <laughs> right. So for as much as that means anymore. But yeah. yeah, like I think we get even if it's a time frame, you know what I mean? But like yeah. a Jim Viscardi's banging on a larger kind of like Marvel Disney Plus sizzle reel teaser where we'll mm. see things like Moon Knight yeah. and others. Um That'd be cool. Yeah, I, I, I'm expecting a Miss Marvel trailer for sure. I just want a Miss Marvel date, damn it. That's what I want. <laughs> That's what I want. I want to know when the show's coming. That's what I want. Oh, yeah. Real quick, Danny the Pug, since you're a regular, we can tell you about the Shang-Chi rumor or Shang-Chi rumor. Um, we all listened to a Disney investors call yesterday, and they made it pretty clear on that call they're going for theaters. So that's that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's that. Um, will that maybe change? I mean, who knows these days? But right now, Disney is saying they are committed to going to theaters. We heard the man say that just yesterday. Uh, so there you go. Um, all right. But yeah, so this is Moon Knight, the costume. We all seem to approve. It also looks freaky because, you know, we have Ethan Hawke, as people are pointing out in the comments, saying he's going out here talking about he's basing his character off David Koresh. And so we got a cult leader. We got Moon Knight looking Whoa. like a freaky dude. Like, I'm kind of, I'm already, I'm digging this. I'm digging this. I'm digging this. Man, Jim could be right about one thing in this phase four thing. He's not right about Eternals, but he he's definitely could be. Uh, <laughs> man, dang. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, Jim also adds to make you feel better. Kind of Disney's hands are tied contractually for uh, <laughs> Shang-Chi. So I don't think they're going to do it. All right. All right. So that's some unexpected extra Marvel goodness we gave you guys. Uh, I guess we'll take a break now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Titan season three and free guy. Uh, We'll do reviews first and then we'll get to spoilers on each to give you guys who haven't seen it time. And then we're going to talk comics and some other stuff. So stay tuned. We got it. We got a lot. (laughs) 
Taking bets, you guys. What's going to happen first? Are we going to get this Kanye Donda album or will we see a Spider-Man trailer? I am taking bets. I just don't care about Kanye, so <laughs> my opinion is irrelevant. <laughs> I'm a Janelle. <laughs> I don't care about Kanye. I don't care. He lost me. Like, after Give me my Spider-Man. <laughs> heartbreak was the cutoff for you? No, after. Like wow. anything after. Like all the stuff after. I liked Heartbreak. But it was all the stuff after. My be, so you, so my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, not up there for you, huh? Yeah. I hate Good music. I hate talking I to you guys. This is why we keep it fixed. Personality. This is why our friendship. And the album is fixed. after that was, was this partnership is awful. fixed to some very specific subjects. Let's go. Let's go back into Richard those. wants both. So maybe let's go we'll do back the into those. I want to see that Spider Man trailer and be able to sync it up to my Donda tracks. That's there you I go. Want. That's I'm not trying to live anything less idea. than the ultimate life. Uh, all right, but let's just stick to the things we are friendly about here. <laughs> let's talk about Titans season three. There's something everybody can uh, we can get into. So Titans. Now, me and Matt have been stumping for this show and Doom Patrol since they dropped because we were two of the people who actually got onto uh, DC Universe with the other two guys. Um, and we kind of held down that platform, the four of us, for many years since when it first <laughs> launched. Uh, so we've been behind Titans. And Titans is kind of a running joke in the comic book office because it is like our favorite kind of, oh, man, it splits people. But those of us who love it, we really love it. So now here's the chance because Titans is back. It's on HBO Max this time. I mean, it's like night and day how much more access that gives the show to a wider audience. And there's big things, and they and they are going for broke. They are not holding. There's they're not doing the slow build up like we got in season one or two. They are going for broke in this season. So Ugh. we're gonna try to talk about this without spoilers, but it's it's hard because after like the first oh, five are? seconds, yeah, we're not talking spoilers. <laughs> oh no, we are. We're gonna talk spoilers, but I thought we'd just go through and get oh, some good. impressions Sorry. first, and then <laughs> we'll go back. Uh, okay. So I'm just gonna keep it short. Uh, Titans is back. It's still as crazy as ever. The things they choose to do with their canon versus like traditional comic book canon, still crazy. But uh, I- I'm still liking it. And the production on these episodes and kind of just the writing and the cast, the cast is all gelled and are comfortable in their roles. The production is a step up. Everybody looks better. And you can tell that most by Anna Diop's character as, as Coriander Starfire. She actually feels like she's comfortable and cool being Starfire for like the first time ever fully. Uh, not just take anything away. She was always great in the role, but like I'm just talking about from the makeup on down to the way they shoot her. Like she feels like Coriander fully in this. And yeah, the fight sequences are great and, and everything just looks upgraded and great. And there's a lot to chew on in these first three episodes. And even though it is different than comics, I am liking what they are doing with it. And I'm interested to see where this goes. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I, I always go. I'm perfectly fine when things decide to go completely different from the comics. It's never about like maintaining this accuracy. It's always just like if I find it compelling or not. Right. And so they they have a very distinct take on the universe. I know it's not for everybody. I love it. Uh, I, I still do. Uh, I, I think they come out of the gate really strong here. And I feel like the um, it's the coming back to Gotham was always going to be tricky. Like it was always going to be like it was kind of a, a make or break thing for the series because they kind of just been operating in their own little own little place and they could dabble. But here they really embrace it. And it, and it feels like it doesn't feel like a bunch of people just kind of 
on the outskirts of like, oh, well, it's Gotham by name. Like it feels like a, a homecoming for Dick. And then you get all these other characters kind of playing in that sandbox. And, and it just it just works. I, I think it really works really well. Um, and I, I will say that uh, I've never been the biggest. Uh, the only thing about the show that I didn't really love was Bruce Wayne was <laughs> it's just like it doesn't it never clicked with me. It didn't click with me last year. Um, this he, poor Ian Glenn. They it, keep giving it, him these sad, sad dude, roles. I, but I started not, watching him. I was like, this is why Daenerys didn't want to F you, bro. <laughs> this is a, how you act. He's a great actor, right? Like, he really is. And there's a scene in here um, towards the end. We'll get into spoilers and stuff. There's a scene in here where like he delivers a great set of lines and he delivers a great performance. I just never buy him as Batman. Like I've just never done it. It's just never worked for me. That's what I, know, I know what they tried to do. They went yes. for like a dark, twisted version of the Adam West Batman, right. which is like exactly what that dude is in spirit. Uh, yeah. And it just it just never clicked. But but what I will say is it works the most it has worked here. Like I will I will give it credit for making some really great scenes, even if I'm still a little like. I don't know. It's it's there's some really good stuff here. So yeah, I mean, I think it embraces all the things that Titan does well. It shocks sometimes, not so much now out of just like, oh hey, they said an f bomb for the sake of saying one. Now it shocks for like just twisting things that you just didn't really think they would do. You know, it it, it goes far, but it goes in different ways. So I dig it. Mm-hmm. I guess it's my turn. As a casual viewer, I love Batman. I love him in that role. I guess because I loved him on Game of Thrones and I, it right. was a familiar face and I was pumped to see him because I loved his acting. But maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> oh my no, gosh. So I don't have the Game of Thrones thing to go by because I never watched it. Yeah, he show. never saw Game of Thrones. So, so he doesn't probably have, have more depth yeah. in there than I do. Darn, man. Okay, yeah. So I love... Okay. D- should I talk about my experience watching the first two seasons or should we say... Yeah, that? I mean, let people know how you got into it. Why not? Okay. So I knew that we were going to be talking about Titans a lot. So I was like, I need to watch this. I binged season one and season two and Kofi, by golly, you nailed it. Those are such slow moving seasons. <laughs> when you're binging that, it is like... it's It's a little daunting. It's a little tiring. It's like trying to binge The Walking Dead, like all the backstory episodes. (laughs) Um, But the tone was awesome. It was unexpected because I see a green hair, like tiger thing. And I'm going to think it's like pop, like poppy and fun and funny and cute. And it was none of those things. Um, So I'm really glad I did binge watch them. I was a little burned out by the time I got to the episode for season three. Matt gave me early access and he's like, you can watch five episodes. And I was like, I'll watch one. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But in that first episode, it was extremely uh, engaging. Like it, it hooked me for sure for the season better than any of the earlier episodes um, from season one and season two. Um, no spoilers. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I like dark. I like haunting. I like gore. I So, I mean, it, this is just, it's really cool. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. I, and this season kind of like, I watched the third episode and it was like a gut punch. I'm really upset. 
<laughs> All right, that's as good as a place as any to get into spoilers. So if you got, if you guys want to mute right now, if you haven't seen Titans, it's on HBO Max, streaming the first three. We'll try to read our right lips. Yeah, we're gonna go spoilers and just talk spoilers for Titans for the for the rest of this little segment, and then we'll come back and talk non-spoiler free guy. Then spoiler also, thank free you, guy. Kofi, for the for the wonderful poll that you just put <laughs> put in the comments. Oh, that wasn't my poll. That was just my take on it, the yeah, whole situation. For, yeah, that's very true. Uh, my yeah. hip-hop takes. Yeah. All right. So for those of you who are left, spoilers for Titan Season 3. Spoiler alert for Titan Season 3's first three episodes. Man, yo, talk about hit the ground running. So we knew this season we were getting the arc of Jason Todd, Kieran Walters being transforming into Red Hood. We didn't know how fast it was going to be. In uh, episode one, it, because they had teased it and we saw in episode titles and it made it seem like these were progressions, right? Like we'd be doing setup in episode one. We meet Barbara Gordon. Then Red Hood would kind of come in the picture in season in episode two or something. But like, yeah, it, I mean, it's just hits the ground running. Jason, the, you know, the be just the opening to this season is Jason you know, whacked out of his mind on whatever drugs he's making, which is also an interesting departure, going to the amusement park, getting ambushed by Joker and beaten to death and coming back to life as Red Hood. And all of that, we get the establishment of Barbara Gordon and, you know, Joker apparently like having them have an amputator leg in this version, Commissioner Gordon dying, you know, all the stuff with Batman and Batman going berserk and killing Joker. That's just episode one. So, yeah, they pack a lot in, but uh, I dug it, man. I dug that episode, and I really dug the dynamic between this version of Dick Grayson, Barbara Gordon, and Bruce Wayne when they sit down to have those kind of memorial drinks for Jason, and the whole thing devolves. Now, there I did like Homeboy from Game of Thrones as Batman as him trying to hold together, like, the smiling, I'm okay, and he and Barbara says all that whacked-out stuff to him, and he's, like, obviously losing it. Like that was scary. Bruce Wayne having a mental breakdown. And like, I could believe that because Bruce has had mental breaks in the comics, but like that's comic book stuff, right? It's always like dramatic. If Bruce Wayne really had like a breakdown in real life, it would be pretty scary because he's a pretty scary guy with some pretty scary resources. So, you know, I kind of dug all that part, but um, it, it was a lot in one episode. So I did like it when we kind of, I never thought I'd tell Titans to slow down, but like <laughs> when things slowed down a bit in episodes two and three and, and we got more depth and not to say though they were both like pretty action packed, yeah. but, and, and pretty exciting, but like just to kind of get more slow developed, more episodic stories out of both of those. And the third one was really good. Like I thought we had milked this Hawk and Dove stuff for all it was worth, yeah. but uh, man, Alan Richardson showed up to just, MVP of the first two seasons was for me was always Hawk. I love Hawk. So yeah, to see him back and I I thought that was interesting. Dude, more nobody has soldiered for DC TV quite like Alan Richardson. He's he's been (laughs) Uh, but he's he was great and like man, what a capper to his arc in this show. Like that that was pretty good. And it, it was pretty nuts. So I'm digging this, man. And I'm digging this take on Jason Todd's Red Hood as being this like more mastermind kind of things. I hope they can stick the landing of explaining how this kid went on this big character switch because even Dick Grayson makes a part of the show being like, this dude doesn't read. He was like an idiot. Like, how is he doing all this stuff? (laughs) And that mystery is kind of interesting to me. Yeah. 
I wonder, like, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of hoping it's going to be like some kind of, I, I, I still think that the big bad in all this is going to turn out to be, of course, Jonathan Crane, right? Who, uh, dude from Mad Men, I love him playing stoner Jonathan Crane, which is, which is really funny to me. Oh, man, um, I, always, I always see him as Connor from Angel. He <laughs> 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 will always be Connor from Angel for me. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, because I've seen some, some, some things in the comments, yes, uh, Savannah Welch is disabled. And actually, so they actually cast a disabled actress to play Barbara Gordon, which is really That's cool. cool. The, yeah. Yeah. I saw some confusion to that in the comments. Um, but yeah, I think what, I think they do a very good job later without, without getting into spoilers of, of showing you how the, how a character gets from point A to point B. So I do think I will be interested when that hits for us to have that conversation and see if like it actually provides the context needed. Uh, Cause I've also seen some things in the comments about like <laughs> only being dead for one day. Like I've seen that. Yes. Like it is very quick, but I, but I think they do a good job of explaining how all those, how those dominoes fall. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just loved, look, th- this, this season gets off to a great start just because you see the Titans together. Like that's been the, my whole thing with like the last two seasons of when the Titans are together and they're and they're going back and forth and you're seeing the relationships and and how they form and and they're they're in combat and having fun to a degree even in very dark circumstances the show shined it always did so the fact that we get right off the bat even though like Raven's not there we get right off the bat like four Titans together looking badass banter back and forth playing off each other that's really great and then you get the like just steep dive of oh my god the jason todd joker stuff um like there's just so much to really i think they they knocked this premiere out of the park i don't think it this could have gotten off to a to a better start um and i and i like the take on on red hood so far um and i'm trying to it's so hard sometimes because like i'm trying to make sure I keep things to the three <laughs> three episodes. I don't want to say certain things because I'm like, did that happen in episode Uh-oh. three? Um, oh, you yeah. fl- Oh, Matt's flexing the burden <laughs> no, no. again. I'm just again, screeners. The I'm industry screeners burden. Man, together. my knowledge doesn't match with the norms. Yeah, I can't remember. Together. Oh, please. I've heard you flex on this show. Get off. Oh, I mean, I have. <laughs> I have. But you have, I to my you're like, I don't want to watch the screeners. I want to watch with everybody. Else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm with the normies, which is what Kofi said. <laughs> I'm a man of the people. <laughs> I'm a man of the people. Don't forget it, oh, everybody. So, yeah, so anyway, onto that. Uh, I also think Barbara Gordon, it was always going to be uh, an interesting thing because that, that character and, and Dick Grayson obviously have so much history. And I think they play on that really well here. And like Kofi said, that scene with all three of them and also the scene with like, Grayson with Bruce in the cave, like in this universe, Bruce is just awful. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, very good at being anything but a, a blunt instrument sometimes, you know, and I, and I think what the show does really well is get into some of that and actually explore it down the line. But like, here it's like oh my god like when they show and someone mentioned in the comments when they show like the different the new recruits it's like he's not dead yet like he just died you know what i mean like he just died and you already have this lineup of people well i gotta bring somebody in it's like oh my god you wiped the blood off his suit (laughs) and you're already like looking for people you're you're awful 
You know, well, it's like one of the better examinations of the questionable moral line of Batman lining up all these different kids over the years to kind of because comic creators are like, let's make a new sidekick. And it's like, yeah, how many people is Batman drafting into a war? <laughs> like, how many kids is this now? Like, and how many of them have gotten maimed, crippled, traumatized or otherwise not turned out well? Like yeah. mm, somebody. Yeah. CPS needs to look in on that, you know. Uh, so I get that part. And like I said, in Titans. Titans is always striking this line of doing this campy comic book throwback in this dark, twisted adult world. And, uh, and this was kind of like a perfect epitome of that. It's like all the kind of deconstruction of the whole bright Robin thing. And uh, yeah, that was crazy. Yes. We're going to get to Tim Drake in comic section. That's a comics so, topic. Uh, so yeah. So Janelle, since you, since you had such a different, <laughs> cause the first two seasons are slow. Yeah. So now that we can get into spoilers, is was this like a huge improvement? No, I, it's I, I'm not. I like the first seasons for what they are. I just don't know if they're bingeable. I don't. I don't know if they're something that you should binge. I think I would enjoy them during like normal release. However, season three to me seems like more of a binger, and it's not like any better. Well, I think it's a little bit better, but it's not leaps and bounds better. It's just a different experience. Um, but you know, they could have easily just released the first episode and still hooked me and had me all in on season three. But the fact that they chose to do the first three episodes, <clears throat> I was like, Oh my gosh. Like that after the third episode, I was just, I'm, I'm like reeling. Like I'm going to go to those screeners. Now I need to know what's happening next. <laughs> like this is, I mean, I'm very, I'm, I am shook after the third episode. Danny, uh, yes, I figured out while Janelle was talking that you were talking about the other Tim Drake. Sorry. Yes, the Tim Drake in the beginning of Titans, we get we get the setup for a new Robin, one who's obviously not going to need to be recruited. He's coming. He's coming to get that mantle. Right. Um, and Tim Drake was the Robin who snuck into the Batcave. That, that was his audition. Uh, he was Batman's neighbor in the next mansion and he snuck into the Batcave and he earned his spot on like Robin that way. And they do a good job establishing that kid right at the beginning of the season with his encounter with the cops, which was like a scary scene in this now, you know, modern setting. But the way he kind of handled himself and was able to kind of handle the streets of Gotham. Yeah, I'm interested to see this take on Tim Drake. So, yeah, yeah also man. the Duke Thomas and the Carrie Kelly. Yeah, like the Carrie Kelly was a great. It was a great shout. Carrie Kelly was a great, great shout. Duke Thomas. Yeah, those are all great. Those little Easter eggs. So that's cool. I like what uh, Brywood says in the chat. Brywood says this universe could easily have some spinoff projects. I would be totally down for that, too. Dude, a bat family. I mean, at this point, even if they don't continue the Titans thing, like a bat family spinoff about like whatever happens when Bruce Wayne, douchey Bruce is gone and like the rest of them have to kind of try to band together. Like yeah. I would watch that. Like yeah. I would watch Tim Drake and you know Jason Todd, Dick Grayson, Barbara as their kind of Oracle, and like whoever else you want to throw in there, Cassandra Kane or whoever else you want to throw in there, like and just being the Bat Family, like that would be that'd be great. Yeah, Elena Bertinelli there. Oh, by the way, we were talking about we were avoiding spoilers before the scene. So the scene I was talking about was when he throws down the crowbar, and when like Bruce throws down the crowbar and has that little speech, and he's giving about joker that was incredible i was like riveted and i was like okay if if this was the <laughs> if this was the bruce wayne i got all the time i might be a little bit more like on board. well you know you don't understand this reference but it was right up there with there was um 
there's a beast in every man and it stirs when you put a sword in his hand. Like, yeah, you don't understand that. That's a, that's a got reference. Yeah. But uh, I, I've also seen that in the comments, by the way, I just don't care. It's not like it's bad. I never said it was Game of Thrones it. is bad. I just don't care about Game of Thrones. I never did. I even tried. I borrowed the season, the first season from someone to watch. And I like got halfway through the episode. I was just the like, man oh, with a replica of a mystical dagger behind him says he can't watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, I didn't yeah, say it was bad. I just didn't care. Moving right along. Let's talk about Free Guy. <laughs> so Free Guy, the new movie from Ryan Reynolds. We gave you guys reactions a couple weeks ago. If you want to go back and listen to that episode, and you should listen to all these episodes. We told you guys this was kind of the sleeper hit of the summer, like, and maybe the year. Like, I don't think any of us expected. We, I think I said it was the Batman Fortnite of, of movies this year. Like, I didn't expect it to be this good. But uh, Free Guy, the more time I've had to sit with it and think about it, really is a good time. Uh, Free Guy is really, hey, Rich, take this down. We're done with uh, Titan spoilers. We got we to gotta invite people back in here. There we go. Non-spoilers. No more spoilers. So we're talking Free Guy, the new Ryan Reynolds movie, which is uh, in which he plays a non-playable character in a video game that gains sentience and falls in love and starts this whole chain reaction, both within the game and outside the game in the gaming company that makes it. And like we said, this was a sleeper hit. We didn't expect it to be this good. It looked like a kind of generic ready player one type deal. But uh, director Sean Levy, Ryan Reynolds' performance, the the general cast of the film, and just the way it 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 finds its storytelling balance as a kind of action romantic comedy, it all works really well, like really really well. It, it, it's heartfelt, it's funny, and the action sequences are both impressive and stylized in a, their own unique way to kind of simulate inside of a live action people who are actually inside a video game. So all that stuff makes it very unique and fun. And it just feels like a movie, like a journey you take that has development. The characters get developed and grow more interesting and complex. And there's resolution and, and all that stuff you, you take for granted and just a classic movie adventure, but it's all there. And Ryan Reynolds really delivers and is probably my favorite Ryan Reynolds role outside of Deadpool. So that's my non-spoiler. We're going to get into a lot of fun spoilers, but that's just kind of how I felt about Free Guy. How about you guys? Janelle? Oh, man. This movie, it was so fun. Uh, I, seeing this in the theater is like the way to go because it's just really pleasing to the eye. Um, also, it plays really great songs. Uh, we're not spoiling, right? <laughs> not right now. We're about okay. to. Why don't we just save time? We'll go into spoilers. I would Let's say just, just it's it's a really feel good movie. It's the it's a very surprisingly awesome good movie that I would definitely go back and watch again. And as a streamer and a gamer, it really hit so many so many things like nailed them um, with cameos and references and just depicting kind of the gamer world. It was really really cool. Yeah, so, uh, okay, so we are talking spoilers right now. So we should probably put... As soon as we... Yeah, Rich, I have Rich. He's going to put up the spoiler warning. Go ahead. Let's well, get I was just going to get into a big one, so I didn't want to do it before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I... Uh, when we when we, when Kofi says the Batman Fortnite, I also... It is, it is just great because, like, it actually has a tether in there of the... As Janelle kind of said, the references, I thought, were, were really fun when they're used. Um, it doesn't, like... 
it saves them all. I feel like it saves a lot of them for like one really awesome sequence at the end. And it saves so many pop culture references and Fortnite makes it in there uh, in a great way. Like it, there's that whole ending sequence. is fantastic in these and the, but the way they do the Marvel one rocks, like the way they do that whole, like, yeah, let's get into that. This is your final major spoiler (laughs) warning for a major part of free guy. But we're going to talk about it, so this is why we have the spoiler alerts up. Uh, it's so it's so good how one they work in that like Reynolds is part of the Disney family now with like being able to like when they actually it wasn't just that they used the Captain America shield to deflect; it was that the music hit, <laughs> and, like the Avengers music hits, and like the wink and nod, then the Hulk hand. Then the Fortnite, like, you know, pinata, like all that stuff. Was there a lightsaber in there? I forget. The lightsaber. And then yeah. on top of the lightsaber, the Star Wars music hits. Like, <laughs> it's the extra going the extra mile on those and not just like, oh, hey, look at a thing. And like the lightsaber was funny just because they kept referring to it. Is yeah. that a, is that a, and you're like, oh, do they not have the rights to like say lightsaber? And they was like, no, it's a lightsaber. It's like, oh, okay. That's, it's yeah. Great. Just to give you guys some context of what we're talking about in case you're just listening to this. Um, there's a tour in the third act when Reynolds character, he levels up as he gains sentience about like, he's in a video game. He levels up to impress the girl he loves. Uh, so he can be like the ultimate fighter. So he has just stockpiles and caches of different weapons and stuff. So while they're fighting this final battle, I think it's when he's fighting. Is it when he's fighting his bigger self? Yeah. Yeah. He has to fight this thing. You've seen, I'm sure the Fortnite skin and everything, this big muscled up version of them that the creators of the game put in to kill him. Uh, and so he starts pulling weapons from his stash to kind of fight with. And so he's accessing all these weapons and he does all these trademark things. And so like one of them, he manifests Captain America's actual like Marvel shield to block a hit. And the captain, like the Avengers music starts playing when he does it. And then it cuts to outside the game. And cause everybody, this is all streaming on like Twitch. And so like everybody in the world is watching this final battle as the free guy is standing up for himself, this non-playable character. And so one of the people it cuts to when he pulls out the Captain America shield is Chris Evans. And it's actually Chris Evans sitting in a cafe like what the and I think it cuts off before he says like what the F or whatever he yeah, says. Perfect. Yeah. And he's like, what the because he sees them taking the Captain America thing and he's spazzing out about it. But they also <laughs> manifest like Hulk hands, lightsabers that he fights with. And yeah, they make references to this and kind of a sly winking reference that they can do all this because this is a 20th century studios film. And since it's owned by Disney, they can put all these things that Disney owns from all these other franchises and make references to it. So that's like the, I'd say that's the biggest cameo moment, like is the Chris Evans, Captain America thing. And and that makes people go wild, but there's so many other ones there. Yeah. There's there's like five or six voice ones that are just voices. We didn't even know until the credits rolled. I'll give Charlie. You will never hear me give Charlie Ridgely a lot of credit on this show, but I will credit (laughs) because I was sitting next to him and there's one early on where Jodie Comer's the love interest, uh, Molotov girl. She's in the game. The one the guy falls in love with and she's meeting a contact to kind of get information on how to sneak into this base. And the guy she's giving the information from is Hugh Jackman as like this character who's just like a big ogre, like hooded ogre type dude. And it's just his voice. And they have this funny exchange in the alleyway because I think he's trying to hit on her as like the gamer dude. He's, tr- he's like trying to hit on the girl too. Um, but it's hilarious. And there's cameos like that. Uh, what's his name? Oh my God. He's the most consistent cameo. He shows up all throughout the movie. Um, 
Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Man, man, that guy's taking too long of a break. Uh, Channing Tatum is in it as he's like the hot shot player in the game, like the real badass who's like really a nerd in real life, like this really nerdy kid. That that part was great. Seeing yeah. him like in his house. With his mom, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's like a nerdy kid living with his mom, but in the game he's Channing Tatum, and Channing Tatum shows up and does all this absurd stuff from like Magic Mike dance and doing like Fortnite dances to just like just acting like a total douche and just like it's hilarious, man. Um, so this is the kind of stuff you get in Free Guy that are these awesome kind of moments and shadows. And these are just not even the references to like famous Twitch streamers, famous gaming stuff, general pop culture references that are used as jokes and stuff like that throughout the game to video game reference to Grand Theft Auto and other games that obviously they play off. Uh, and, and so this is the stuff that really makes it a lot of fun in unexpected ways and who they're able to pull and how they, and how everybody's kind of having fun with this concept is it's, it's pretty, it's pretty infectious, man. Danny says ready player one was so good. I doubt this movie will beat it. I do. Well, I, I, can it depends I, on your I, definition of so good. If so good to you, I didn't think it like was good. Mediocre at best. Then yes. Thank you. I agree. It, it just, just with how they integrate video gaming and real life together ready player one did not do a good job of that like the vr world was not pretty and it looked so fake it was just cgi and yeah the it cgi was, was not good and in this cutscene. yeah and in this it's it's spectacular it's beautifully done yeah let me let me just make this clear this movie free guy is ready player one if somebody stepped back and said you know, what if Ready Player One just had a little bit more fun and personality? And fun, yeah. It kind of made like, fun of it. Yeah, like what if it, and this is all it is. It's Ready Player One with Sean Levy's, the guy who made Night at the Museum and Real Steel. Like none of these are new concepts, but Sean Levy is just a kid at heart and he injects things with fun, liveliness, color, and that's what it is. So instead of big cutscenes of CGI video game sequences, we have live action people acting like they're video game people. Like, and that's more fun. Ryan Reynolds, more fun personality than the kid they got for Ready Player One. Jodie Comer, 10 times more fun personality than, so the, than the girl they got for Ready Player One. And also, it's not a Steven Spielberg movie, so it's just not about I'm still sad about my parents' divorce. So oh, like, <laughs> like, which is the basis of every Steven Spielberg movie? <laughs> like, literally, that's what every Steven Spielberg movie is. He, he, most great st- like filmmakers and storytellers really just have one story to tell. Right. That's it. Steven Spielberg says, "I'm sad about my parents' divorce," and so that's what Ready Player One is. And so this one is not as hung up. This one is just about. It's a love story, essentially. It's fun, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of a sweet, geeky love story that you know that took a long time to unfold. And this is in the fun factor is what makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. yeah I think you guys said it best. Beautifully said. <laughs> yeah. The- Mic drop. Let's go to something Matt can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and the great thing is this concept doesn't have to die because the, now that they've nailed it, there's so many different ways to kind of play with this. Just like Wreck-It Ralph, there's ways to do sequels and play with this concept and, and kind of keep it going. All right, Rich, you can drop the spoilers so we can just, uh, yeah. I'm a little mad because I, I, I lost the Schmodown championship on Ready Player One as as my answer. Is that what that comes from? Boy, you, oh, you got no. a little fire there, man. I'm I couldn't remember lie. what stupid <laughs> Steven Spielberg movie uses Van Halen's jump as as on the opening <laughs> scene. 
because I I've just put Ready Player One out of my mind, and that's how I lost a championship belt. So I feel some kind of way. We're moving right along. Matt, now you need to write a movie about your disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be every no that'll be every movie i make I'm still, by, I'm still disappointed life. about my trivia loss can i be the next Spielberg? oh my god that's amazing all right uh yeah so let's uh let's i man i don't know where to go for you know what i do know where to go for let's go to uh batman 89 uh which i now i know a lot of people i mean there's it's always a conversation of which batman movie do you like the best which movie batman is your favorite um, I actually don't know where everybody here stands on on which movie Batman is their favorite. Um, but Batman 89 picks up. Well, let me just Avengers. get it out of the way. This was the movie that shaped me as a comic book and a movie fan. Well, I was curious because like my like yeah. my favorite Batman is, is Batfleck. You know, what's yours? What's oh, yours? God, I get so much crap for this Batman forever. Val Kilmer. Yeah, I do. Comic Book Nation would like to announce we're looking for a third show host. <laughs> Uh, I like Batfleck, and I get a lot of hate for that all the time. So, well, you know, ba- I mean, fun. Batman '89 shaped me. That was the first big comic book movie that I mean, it nailed me on all the merchandising. I had to have the McDonald's glass cups, which were high quality. I had to have the Batman cereal. I collected every single one of those movie trading yeah. cards, the tops ones. Like, I, I, mean, I was I the soundtrack girl. Like, I was oh, so obsessed with the my soundtrack. Prince I got the CD, dog. Me too. No, I yeah. had the tape. And that thing was oh, scratched beyond belief. Yes. I had to get that high sound quality. I got the oh, CD. My God. And that thing <laughs> oh, was yeah. scratched beyond belief. And it also started my love affair with Prince. So, I mean, that movie was just hit on all cylinders, so really. Is, okay, mm-hmm. so that is a perfect segue, by the way, because I feel like if you I'm, – I'm more curious now to see, like, you're, you're I don't have – like, I, I really enjoy the first Batman movie, like Batman 89, but, like, I don't – and Batman Returns, like I don't like they're not something I hold like that, like they're dear to me. So I'm actually more curious what you guys thought, because this, of course, picks up the adventures after those movies. So this is Michael Keaton, Batman. This is that world that, you know. So what did you guys think of this? I think uh, I'm not not sold yet, but I'm not fully sold yet that this is justifying its own existence. Um, in the sense that I love Batman 89 and I love Batman Returns and I love the world that Burton created for those. My only question I was that I had throughout reading this and there's surprisingly little of it that actually feels like it's focused on Batman, but uh, that's yeah. a different criticism. Um, it felt like I was trying to ask myself, is there something so distinct about Batman 89, Keaton's Batman, and that whole world still that I feel like it needs to be explored in an entire comic series. Like, is there something so unique? Like, Batman 66, I could even say that about, because I get that. Like, that world is so campy and different and, and like, its own thing. Like, you could build an entire comic series world of that, uh, that and, and keep me occupied. I'm still looking at whether it is. I kind of got a soft yes by the end of this first issue. There are certain things that Keaton and them's Batman did with the gadgets and the car and the shields and the dark suit and all of that um, that I did. But like the Harvey just taking a black Harvey Dent story and stuff like that. And I still know where I come from. And like I was like, this feels weird for the Batman 89 world. Like one of the great things I think about that was 
just accepting Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent and not having to make it like a whole race thing, right? Like he was just a he was a DA, successful dude, and we didn't have to say anything more about it. So that kind of threw me and was like a little weird, but um, yeah, it, it's I know they're going to expand this world and give us more new stuff, and maybe that's what I need. It's just to get into some of the new stuff they fit into that world and not just the track, not just kind of retreading where we've already been. Um, Janelle, what do you think? Yeah. Well, okay. So although like, it's not my absolute favorite Batman, like it is my first superhero film I ever watched as a kid. So it is extremely near and dear to me as well. Um, and I, I absolutely loved certain moments like Easter eggs throughout this comic, like the Halloween scene, did you see like the reference to Prince? Like Prince is dressed as Joker at Halloween. And then there's like Beetlejuice, like tons of like Beetlejuice costumes. And like, it's Did not. Oh, dude. So I just that was, sat yeah, there that on that on page. <laughs> it was really, really <laughs> cool. Totally I, funny. yeah, I loved that. Um, and awesome. just really like, that simple, that those little references make me so happy. Um, Nothing bothered me, but it also didn't super pull me in. Obviously not the way that the movie does. Um, I'm interested to see where it goes, but it wasn't my favorite of the week. It'll be interesting too, because there is obviously a Superman series coming. That is the same premise, just based on Christopher Reeves, Superman's world. So that's cool. That will be interesting to see if they, I, I, I agree with Kofi. I think the whole time I was kind of, cause I enjoyed it. I didn't love it, yeah. but I liked it. I came away like, Oh, there, there's some cool stuff. And I, and I, look, I adore that car. That Batmobile is like still one of my favorite Batmobiles ever. Uh, I will still always stay animated series Batmobile, even as impractical as it is, but I love this one. Right. So love the aesthetic to this world. So I, I like some of that stuff. I like, some of the Batman, uh, like his relationship with Commissioner Gordon and some of that stuff that it kind of goes a little bit deeper. You know, that's that's interesting. But I was I agreed. I was kind of looking for like, why does this book exist? Like I was kind of like, mm-hmm. why, what are what is the the hook that is just not like, oh, you like the movie, you'll like this. Like I was just kind of looking for that hook and it never it never really came across to me in this first issue. I will be interested to see if that is the case. Moving but like forward. as a fan. I have to, I have to read them. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. that's well, kind of how I feel. And then it means it's done its job. That's yeah. really, <laughs> one thing I got to say for this is the, the visual designs for Bruce Wayne and commissioner Gordon are terrible. They are trash. Oh, no. I was trying <laughs> to figure out what was going on with his hair. Like, yeah, his hair and Gordon, Gordon does not even look like the actor from the movie. Like it's, they just made a heavier Gordon. It, it was, I was like, is that yeah, like, it was weird, man. I don't oh, know. No. How Jordan. I'm like, yeah. I was like, who is that? Is that Michael Keaton? I was like, yeah. yeah what, what human has a hairstyle like that is what it I was, was asking like, myself. It like, yeah, it like. They tried to make like a bat <laughs> peak in it. It's like a bat's peak. It's, it's weird. weird. I don't know, man. It was weird. <laughs> um, so let's move over to uh, Marvel. Uh, and Defenders, number one, uh, Defenders is a book we've seen kind of interpreted a bunch of different ways. Um, this one is actually Al Ewing um, and Javier Rodriguez. Uh, and uh, I just from a from an art standpoint, I, I always dig that artwork. It's, it's an art style that just I just really think suits this magic, this world of magic and the supernatural really well. So from a visual perspective, I adored this issue. Uh, I also just really like for uh, we've seen different interpretations of the team, 
but I love the randomness that is put into this issue just by the nature of like Dr. Strange having to call on people like suddenly. So like leaving it up to the, like having, having the team determined by the cards and like just magic to me, it was like such a great idea because it just means you can call on whoever. And like, I don't care about the masked Raider. I never have. I never <laughs> cared about that concept, but like, having silver surfer and like having alternate versions like it, it it made it feel very much like an exiles book kind of because it was from people from all over different timelines and multiverses and stuff but that part is fun like i really found that interesting um i know janelle is a huge <laughs> dr strange or dr strange uh super fan here so what did yeah. you think of this well, I'm very excited to hear what Kofi has to say because I just feel like he's going to go in on this. I don't know why. It just does not seem like a Kofi comic to me at all. Um, <laughs> whoa, whoa, chill out, chill out. But um, uh, yeah, I'll say this. I'll just knock mine out real quick. Uh, okay. I liked this as a conceptual issue. I will say I think this should have been the backup of another issue. Like this should have been a story in like an annual or something like that. This should have been a backup story because this is really just a preamble. Like it's literally just a preamble to like what's going to happen. It's not really a first issue. So I would have put it in the back as a backstory in an annual that showed how this team came together and then start this issue off with wherever they are now and like kind of get to it. That's a good um, idea actually. But yeah, but it was kind of, an interesting issue because it just ends up being strange talking to himself about magic for most of it. And like, <laughs> I knew you were going to say I, I wasn't against it. I like the Kirby-esque thing they're going for with this. Like this is a very throwback Kirby version of the Defenders and, and just the concepts that they're, they're playing with in here. And the, and the artwork is obviously very Kirby-esque. So I like all of that. I like the colorful Kirby stuff. I'm not opposed to that. But like I said, this was just all set up and and then you get some pretty big stuff at the end that is pretty interesting about, you know, Galactus's mom and that whole thing and his creation. So I'm I'm I liked it, but I just thought this was just a setup issue. I'm surprised. I'm pleasantly surprised. You actually enjoy that more than I thought. Yeah, you, you don't know my comic taste, you know. Wordy, wordy, wordy. Just like talking, talking, talking to himself, which is so I read cool. words good. Because even I was like, all right, strange. We get it. <laughs> we understand what's going on here. Like you're picking tarot cards out. Um, the explanation... After reading our Batman picks, it was just a complete departure. And as a huge Strange fan, I was still kind of like, what? <laughs> okay, he's getting a little heady here. Like this, he's very into this. Like, well, this and I like some creators attempt to explain magic in a, in a I, I like way. I like him having his moments, um, but maybe not for an entire book like an entire issue so but i i i, I love you know i'm gonna keep reading it because i love my strange and i love seeing where he, he also likes from. the marvel comics character yeah <laughs> yeah i i will say i think i agree with both of you that i feel like this should have been you know what this would have been a perfect this would have been a perfect free comic book day issue Set it up, Ooh. do all yeah. the things, get people hooked on the because the artwork is just I I love like this artwork. So gorgeous. Like, get people hooked on that and then go. Now you know the team, now you know the premise. Here's issue one. Because I, I agree. This there is 
there's a lot of exposition here that doesn't necessarily need to be there. Um, it, it is for me sometimes, uh, you know, Al Ewing, like Al Ewing does things a lot that like pay off down the line. Like he's very much a grand kind of, uh, macro level writer does a lot of stuff at the early parts to pay off down the line. And like, we've seen that from, you know, other writers as well, that kind of, they'll put a, they pack a lot in those early things. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of this stuff that feels just like, why do I need to know? Why do I need to know this pays off down the line with Ewing? But again, it does read, it is a slow read. Uh, I actually, I actually was, I wasn't falling asleep, but I was like, I need to put this down and read this, read the rest later. So like I stopped, I didn't stop with the other books. Um, so yeah, definitely I'm intrigued, but I agree. It was, it was a little bit of a slow. Thing. I all liked, right. I liked all the words. I liked all mm-hmm. the dialogue. I just was like, bro, this is lit. Like I think free comic book day, you nailed it better. But I was like, this is, this is like an annual. This is like a bonus story. Yeah. Like uh, I'm reading right now. Agreed. So let's get to Batman Urban Legends, uh, number six, which was our first, by the way, fan uh, requested comic. So we're going to do that on a regular basis. Just kind of have our third book uh, picked by you guys. So thank you for submitting those votes and everything. I was so confused for most of this, why we had picked this one. Then I finally got to it. I was like, oh. (laughs) Okay. So this is uh, Batman Urban Legends is a collection of short stories. Uh, we have four different writers, four different art teams uh, doing their own things. But there are ongoing stories in some of these. So like the first one, which is Cheer, which is Chip Zdarsky's uh, story. This is the finale. And this has been running for six. Uh, starting with that, because I know we'll, we'll get to the the other story, which is some of our parts, uh, the Tim Drake-centric one. But Cheer, I adored. Like I came out, I was all I was all in on that. The, the stuff we see there, I feel like is so. It's just so interesting to see what Batman's, what Bruce Wayne's ultimate like happy place is, and how mm-hmm. he gets there. I think that is so. It's it's it makes all the sense, but it's also kind of screwed up if you think about just like you know what he's about, what this character is about, and everything. And so like ultimately, him seeing that. If he killed Joker, he would be happy and he would have the family could come together and stuff is like, but he can't do that. That's that was like great stuff to me. And like the Jason Todd stuff that's been in this series has been has been awesome. So I think they did a really good job there. Um, and then we have Zealot, which is uh, another they've been kind of building this. Zealot? Uh, Did you say Zealot? Zealot. Zealot? Zealot? My bad. I, yeah, it's I, the word Zealot. I always <laughs> say Zealot. I always say Zealot. My, That's the beauty Zealot? of comic books. Yes, exactly. You can interpret them however Woo! you please. I mispronounced Apocalypse for years. <laughs> how did you say I, it? I heard somebody say it. What did you I say? Like, um, I forget how I used to say it. I, I used to call said, Rogue Refugee, so I, I also talk. said Facade <laughs> because there was an old Spider-Man villain named Facade. And That's I said facade because I always read it so as facade. Yeah, well, it was also, you know, says you're a kid. Uh, so I said it out loud, and someone was like, What are you talking about? Who? And so <laughs> then I showed him a picture and I went, facade. And I went, oh, my bad. <laughs> that's a, I think that's cute. Yeah, I would totally do something like that too. I'm also an idiot. So uh Zealot, uh, we've seen the Wildcats kind of build up. There was a grifter story before, so this is also running in there. And then a great, I just want to give props. Joshua Williamson did a fantastic black canary story, I thought. Um, just kind of built again, building a, a grander story. If you are into Barbara Gordon, she also plays a big part here. So let's get to some of our parts, which is the big thing that's been taken over a conversation. Tim Drake, um, 
which by the way, there have been people pointing out that like, I don't know. And I can't speak to this. I don't know if it was ever said bluntly before that Tim Drake was heterosexual. I don't know that. I'm not. I, early, not have, I mean, I, this is a Robin I came to age with in the nineties and okay. he had like a girl. Right. He's had girlfriends and stuff like that, but has yeah. it ever been said specifically in a comic that like he was owned, like he was heterosexual. Well, to be fair, I don't think that conversation was being had in society right. before too yeah. long ago. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't think, you know, it, cause there are people kind of pointing out, well, it was never said, well, okay. Yes. But times also change. Yeah. Comics have changed. We're going to give it some grace there, I guess. So here, the let's put it to this way. When we got this news, I wasn't like that is shockingly out of Tim Drake's character. I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. <laughs> right. yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I guess it. that's the big thing for me. It was like I, I, I looked at it and I read the story and everything. I actually thought it was a, it was a well done story and the back and forth. Like I thought it was really charming and I thought there was a lot to like about it. Uh, just as a story and seeing this, Tim Drake is one of those characters that he's one of the Robins we've actually gotten to know the most. I feel like over the years, just how his mind works and how he approaches things and his everyday struggles more so than Dick Grayson and some of the others. So uh, I, I I dug this, um, but I know just like once you change, once you make any kind of major change to a character's identity, it's just going to erupt. It doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> it's just going to erupt. Yeah, that's what a did good you think point. of the story overall? And, you know, I guess all of the stuff that came with it. Um, like I said, uh, it, like you said, it was a very cute story about him discovering his attachment to this other boy and not having it be like overtly sociopolitical or, or overtly sexual or anything. It was just him discovering, like, I cared about this person when they were threatened and I cared more than they thought. I mean, we almost had a thruple form in Children of the Atom number six this week, like... That was almost a thing. Like there is a thruple within the X-Men with Jean Grey and Wolverine and Cyclops now. Like these are just conversations that like we're having in society. Like people, our natures of sex, sexuality, sexual orientation are all changing and, and evolving. And yeah, that's going to be reflected in comics, the medium that reflects our times all the time. So I'm not against the change. And like I said, when somebody, when somebody came in, I finally realized, oh, like, cause I hadn't paid attention to the whole Robin talk. I heard there was a Robin buzz. I didn't know what it was about. Um, cause there's too many Robins right now. There's like Titans going on. There's this Batman urban legends going on. There's like all a bunch of Robin stuff going on. So I finally learned it and I read the story and I'm like, the, my takeaway was, yeah, it, having spent so much time with Tim Drake, if you tell me he likes guys and he likes girls, I'm like, yeah, I could see that for Tim Drake. Right. There's yeah. nothing about that that makes me say, no, Tim Drake's always been like a hardcore bro. I don't see it. Agreed. Like, and yes, even if he yeah. was a hardcore bro, I'd probably still see it. But that's you know, there. <laughs> the thing is, it's just like, if I mean, he's a sense, like, not to, I hate talk, having these conversations without trying to get canceled is like so difficult, but. <laughs> Just the way he comes off, it, it, it's only going to add depth to Tim Drake's character for me. So mm -hmm. I, I'm totally for it. And, you know, good for him. I hope he gets a good thruple going, man. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I think we've set a new record for how many times we said thruple. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird how much it keeps coming up in my life to have to talk about, like, these types of things lately. Like, yes. But like I said, just two comics about teenagers these week was one in D.C. about a kid realizing he's bi and one in Marvel about these these couple, one girl who's bi trying to maybe almost having a thruple with her best friend. So, like, yeah. 
This is look, man. Look, I uh, I heard a couple of weeks ago. I was out with my wife, and I was in the bathroom of a popular club in Nashville, and I heard two young men having a conversation about their romantic attentions for the night. And I came out of that bathroom and looked at my wife and said, "I'm behind the times. Uh, things have very much changed." And the nature of that conversation was, it, it, yeah, it was. Things are different these days for these kids, and, and I'm glad it's being reflected. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. I, I <laughs> What's almost... a thruple? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, God. A thruple is a three-person couple. It, it, it's a relationship between three people instead of two. There you go. Yeah, that's actually good that you clarified that because I'm sure there's listeners who have no idea. Um... I just drop some of this stuff sometimes and I forget I'm me <laughs> and like people aren't as demented as me and they're like, why don't I know all this stuff about life? <laughs> Oh, God, I love it. Okay, so um, just to get my quick take, because I feel like we've discussed it quite a bit, is, you know, the entire comic uh, was really cool. I guess it's just a reflection of, like, my who I'm around and, and what I, it's just, I didn't even bat an eye. With, uh, bat, bat an eye? I didn't even <laughs> bat an eye when it came to the, the bisexual, anything like I just breeze right through it, moved on to the next story. Like it wasn't a big deal to me. And I feel like that's, I think that's winning, you know, like, I think that's what we should all do. It shouldn't be this huge, like, Oh my God, it should be like, Oh wow. Like, cool. He like is in a relationship. It's not my favorite comic book out of all of them. Not because anything to do with that. I just, I loved the black canary book better um, because the action and the art and things like that. So for me, um, that's for, for me, it was just, I like seeing this. I like it being normalized. And uh, it was for, I just didn't even pick up on it. I was like, oh, cool. Yay. They're together. Hooray. What's next? Like, right. it just yeah. wasn't a big deal for me. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's what comes off um, the most. Cause I actually think, like Kofi said, like, I just really, it was a fun story. And yeah. I just like seeing, you know, uh, a more personal side to Tim Drake. Like, anytime we can dive into a character beyond the mask and see what that's but like all the other stuff just comes with i i it's a thing i imagine it's a thing across all mediums but especially in comics yeah. it is the thing where if you make any change to a to a character long-standing it just brings this like <laughs> this reaction yeah. never makes and sense since it's the one medium that is literally handed to a new set of people every yes. couple of years and let them right. change it it's yeah. literally the nature of comics. Yes. So I never get it. Why it's so just like, no. <laughs> so, I'm loving the representation. I want to see full books, not just like one little story in a book like this. Like it's, it's great. I think it's going to be awesome moving forward. I'm really proud of what they did. I'm just looking at the juicy intrigue of more comic book throuples. That X-Men. It's in the diagrams of their house. They have like secret <laughs> passageways to each other's rooms. Like, uh, I'm just, I need my comments to be more like this. Let's I saw somewhere in those comments because thank you guys for being so like interactive. Yeah. <laughs> in the chat. I can't find it anymore, but I did actually see one that uh, asked about Mighty Morphin 10. Someone actually asked about Power Rangers in here, and you're damn straight. I'm going to. Your day is it. made. Okay. So, yes, Mighty Morphin 10 made a huge change. Uh, big spoiler here, of course, is that uh, one of the characters that we've been following in the kind of flashback sequences. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Rich. Uh, one of the flashback sequences we've been seeing is that that character is actually Lord Zed. So we actually see like the origin of Lord Zed, how, who that was, how he came to be. 
and so I, I thought they did it really well. Uh, they've been teasing some things over the last couple of issues, um, actually since this run started. So I thought, again, I thought it was really interesting, got a lot of people talking. Uh, I will actually have an interview uh, with Brian Parrott, the writer of the book, which he kind of goes into details on why he made some of those choices and stuff. So if you are interested in that book, which was dope, you should check that out. So that'll be up this week. All right. Thanks, Matt. Uh, I have a couple mentions. I'm going to mention that Star Wars, the Bad Batch just ended season one. Uh, is season one finale is a pretty harrowing thing that looks at what happened to the Camino cloning program under the Empire. And uh, they're still helping to fill in some backstory on that Rise of Skywalker debacle with Palpatine and helping to uh, fill in how Palpatine cloned himself and did all that this show helps to explain that a little bit further uh the star wars story group actually just sent a person out there to die and just give a verbal explanation of how that all played out so we also have that on the uh, comic book star wars section so check that out but uh watch the bad batch if you haven't turned out to be a much better show than i thought it would be um blood red sky the netflix movie uh is a vampire movie on netflix it's part english part german uh, it's about a transatlantic flight where a mother and son are trying to get to a special doctor in America. Uh, there's something uniquely wrong with the mother and things go awry when, uh, what's your name? Heatwave from Legends of Tomorrow, Dominic Purcell and a band of terrorists decide to, ha- to hijack this flight. And so uh, things go from a hijacking Passenger 57 movie to a kind of supernatural vampire episode. Ooh. It's kind of like Train to Busan, only with vampires and in the sky. So, cool. also and it is, uh, it's tearing up on Netflix. It's breaking records. People are loving it. It's getting a lot of acclaim. So I sat down and watched it, and uh, I was glad I did. There's a lot of it in English. If you don't like subtitles, there's only certain times because this is transatlantic flight, so everybody speaks English, but also some of the people are speaking in German at part of the times and stuff like that. So uh, it kind of goes back and forth. But Netflix movie, really good. Check that out if you're a horror fan. Um, if you're a sports or documentary fan, you got to check out Malice at the Palace, uh, which looks back at the 2004 brawl with the Indiana Pacers and the, at the Detroit Pistons Palace. Uh, Ron Artest, the one that made Ron Artest world infamous before he became Meta World Peace. Uh, yeah, and it's done very much in the style of The Last Dance, that ESPN documentary series. Very similar production. Might even be the same team. I haven't looked in on it. But uh, Malice at the Palace is just, it's really actually heartbreaking because the Ron Artest thing happened really at the dawn of like, it wasn't social media quite yet. We were all on MySpace messing around. But it was a time where viral really became a thing, right? Where one video clip wasn't just like the local news. It was online, on YouTube, comments, people weighing in. That was really the dawn of that. And this was the biggest kind of controversy in sports for that time in the 2000s. And it was the most interesting because it was a cultural time where people got to kind of replay it, never let it die, weigh in on it and have their opinions kind of affect the team and the players, the league and all that stuff. So it's really good to watch. It's just one single hour kind of or like it's a feature length documentary, but it's really messed up how much that one incident messed up. A lot of the players involved messed up a lot of careers like, mm. and, and just seeing Ron Artest in the middle of it, man, bro, I don't, I don't run on test after me, but that dude, yeah, he has a lot of issues, but uh, still, I mean, not even a bad figure. There's just a lot of tragedy from this, incident that started and and how it kind of escalated so check that out too uh malice at the palace on netflix matt you had some mentions yeah real quick on malice at the palace did they actually get 
like our test in there to like- oh our test is in there yeah okay. all the main play like reggie miller everybody from the steven jackson like and what's his okay. name i just jermaine uh um oh Man, they're they're no they're they're younger guy that that was like their hope i can't believe i'm blanking on his name right now i know this Pacers, dude's name. right yeah yeah yeah. yeah 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 jermaine o'neill <laughs> yeah they're all in they're their main characters okay. in there. nice. so they're all talking yeah ron artest talks Okay. Ron okay. Artest so that, talks in this. I, yes. I, when I saw Mouse at the Palace, I went, oh, it must be something else. And I was like, oh, NBA? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. It's, yeah, um, so. Sweet. I will, I will definitely Oof. check that out. Uh, my two, we'll, we'll just go over real quick. Uh, you can actually check out my full review of Assassin's Creed Valhalla's newest expansion, The Siege of Paris, on comicbook.com. Uh, that is the the main villain in this. I, I liked the last one, which is Wrath of the Druids, but this one is like, is like twice like it's it's so much i i really enjoyed this one far better uh just because not necessarily for the gameplay uh additions because they add a few things here and there but the story is just excellent i mean i i've really grown to like my avor uh my version of the character uh and she's awesome and seeing her interact with all these really interesting characters there's a lot of intrigue they dip into the supernatural which is really cool uh and there's a villain that you just love to hate but um you know they do enough to like there's a, just a little there's a little line of of empathy and so it's it's really good so definitely check that out that is out now uh and then we have a preview of marvel's avengers black panthers big war for wakanda expansion going up later today uh, we'll have interviews and stuff coming uh next week as well but that looks really good got to see some uh, can we just talk games. about it? marvel's avengers deserves yeah. the award for how to milk a failed game the longest this thing keeps making headlines i, I cannot believe you it. asked me last year you were like is it still gonna be here or whatever and you know what it is <laughs> <laughs> you were like, is this still going to be around? I was like, dude, I think it will. Yeah, no, and it deserves the award for milking I the longest failed the game. Face. This, this content looks, it looks fun. Like, like I think Christopher Judge's Black Panther sounds great. It's going to be different for people, obviously, because they're so used to Chadwick Boseman's take on the character. Um, but I think by the end of it, they'll dig it. And, it, and look, gameplay looks good. So that comes out, uh, I think that comes out next week. <laughs> I can't believe so. you've squeaked by on this game. <laughs> all I right mean, i told you it was gonna stick around i do not believe this is the forest gump of games all I right told you. that'll do it for this episode of comic book nation thank you guys for hanging out with us it's been a great time today talking with you about uh all these movies and great marvel dc things that are going on as more content ramps up we are happy to be back and sharing all this with you guys so we want to thank you guys again for tuning in as always we put up new episodes every friday at noon eastern time we'll be live on twitch YouTube and Facebook. If you missed the live stream, please do go back and watch on any of those platforms. Or if you just want the audio, we are on our Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or tell any smart home device to play Comic Book Nation podcast and it'll get you into the show. If you like the show, be sure to follow us at the at Comic Book Nation Twitter handle to get all the updates and just our funny snarky comments as we talk about news in real time and other kinds of things. So be sure to follow that at comic book nation, Twitter handle. And if you like the show, go on Apple podcast and give us a five-star review. We really do appreciate it. Otherwise we'll see you guys next week here, Friday at noon Eastern time where you can find me. Uh, oh, our Twitter handles personally. I'm at Kofi outlaw. I'm at Aguilar CB. <laughs> and I am at Janelle Wheeler. <laughs> All right. If you like us, you want to come back out. We'll be here next Friday at noon. Hope to see you guys. Peace. Bye, guys. Bye.